church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm glad that he is God no matter what. No matter what might happen. And um, I was, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm reading that... Um, I'm reading that book. Um, I'm about to finish it up. The guy is a, a survivor and um, and uh, a Christian. And when he stepped off that ship, it was, it was sinking. Um, he 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 prayed and had peace in his heart that he would be rescued. And uh, and went into the it went into the um, water that night and um, prayed. Each day, and about the third day, right before um, the fourth, before they were they were rescued, um, he had this thought, and I thought it was I thought it was such a good thought. He said, "So, so God, I know that I have peace in my heart that I was that I was going to be rescued." And this is what he's thinking as he was floating in the water as. Sharks were. Let me tell you something. I, I don't like sharks. Uh, and just reading about it, when I was a kid, remember when Jaws came out? I wouldn't even get in a bathtub. I'm serious. I mean, I'm I'm upstate New York. I mean, all we have is lakes. I wouldn't even get in a pond after Jaws. I mean, and I, and I watch it now and I think, man, that is the most fake thing I have ever seen in my entire life. But me and sharks don't get along. They're bumping them in the night and taking people. And I mean, it was just disastrous. And he had this thought, Lord, maybe what you meant was you're going to save me, but you're going to save me from this life. And what a what a what a great perspective he had as he was floating. Because I can tell you, you can get a really bad perspective when things aren't going right in your life, and um, when you you kind of think you ever do you ever think this way? You ever think, okay, okay, Lord, why me? I mean, seriously, maybe you don't say it out loud, but but you say it to yourself, or you say it to your spouse, or you, or you say it to a, a a close friend. Okay, what? Why? Why me? Why do I have to? Why do I? And you know, you know the you know the question that we should be asking. Why not me? You know, we're we're in this life for I don't know how many years, and neither do you. We hope it's going to be, you know, Jack was here not too long ago and he just celebrated his 94th birthday, 94 years. And if I'm in as good shape as Jack is at 94, I'm okay with that. But otherwise, <laughs> to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And um, I, I'm looking forward to that day. I mean, like I say this all the time, I'm not looking, you know, to jump on the next train out of here. I'm just saying... But be, the, the only way to be with the Lord physically is to be absent from here. And so, as I'm thinking about 1 Corinthians 15, I think of, when you think of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you need to think of the word victory. You need to think of the word victory. Read with me some of these, some of these verses uh, uh, this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 
And look with me in verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, keep in mind, often when the Bible talks about the word sleep, he uses it also when he's talking about the Lord's Supper. It's a euphemism for death. So this is not sleep as in, uh, um, you know, I'm sleeping on my on my pillow. This is talking about death. He says, we're not, we're not, we're not, this is a mystery. We're not, I'm going to reveal, we're not all going to sleep. We're not all going to die. Wait a minute. What do you mean we're not all going to die? What is he talking about? The rapture of the church, right? We're not all going to sleep, uh, but we're all going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Praise the Lord, we don't take these aches and pains with us. Praise the Lord, we don't take all the heartache with us. We will be changed. Look at that word victory in verse 54. Look at verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we have victory, by the way, I want you to understand this concept and this idea. One day I'm going to be changed. This uh, mortal is going to put on immortality. This corruption is going to put on incorruption. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be like him. I'm going to have a new body. Everything's going to be perfect. And I'm waiting for that day, that glorious day, that, that, that that'll happen. But, I want you to know something. I have victory right now before that ever happens. You see, God has given us victory. He's given us victory over death. We don't, you, you, don't, you don't have to be afraid of death. As a born-again child of God, there's nothing to fear. What did Paul say? Paul said the best you can do is send me to heaven. Oh my. You know, that's, like saying, that's like saying the best you can do is give me $5 million. Or the worst you can do is give me $5 million. That's the worst you can do to me. Okay, I'm for that. I'm good with that. So the worst you can do, the worst you can do to me is send me to heaven. And boy, isn't that what we're looking for? Isn't that what we're waiting for? Isn't that the day that when we realize, we open up our eyes and we see Jesus and we're changed and we're like Him and it's a glorious day? Isn't that the day we're looking for? You know, we look about heaven, right? We talk about heaven. Do you realize, and I hope you do, in his earthly ministry, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. So there's not a lot of said about heaven. A lot of what you hear about heaven or read about heaven or hear preachers say about heaven is conjecture, opinion. Some of the things that we talk about, we do know there'll be places like uh, 
you know, streets of gold and, and, and the crystal sea and there'll be, all, there'll be all these things that we're looking forward to in heaven. But let me tell you something. God doesn't focus on those things. We are so concerned about whether we're getting a mansion or not. Do you know how much that matters? Zilch. What does it matter if you're getting a mansion or not? Well, the preacher says you're getting a mansion. No, 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 no. The Bible says in my Father's house there are many mansions. Now, I don't mean you're getting one. I don't mean I'm getting one. Now, I'm with you. I don't get, you know, we're going to get one. But let me tell you something. The focus ain't on our mansion. Isn't how our, 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 our mansion is set up. It's not about how our mantle looks. It's not about what size, you know, widescreen TV you have. I mean, we got our minds maxed up. What does it matter? What is heaven? Heaven is where Jesus is. If there were no mansions, it'd still be heaven. If there was no crystal sea, it'd still be heaven. If there were no streets of gold, it would still be heaven. Nobody's going to get to heaven and go, man, I wish I had her mansion. Oh my goodness, look at him. I mean, I can't. My boat compared to his boat. Listen, those are things that we do down here. Right? I mean, we look at somebody else's new thing and we, we kind of get jealous or uh, we look at somebody else's uh, 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 something's nicer than ours and sometimes we covet a little bit. But I'm here to tell you, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be going, oh my goodness. I no, no, no. Our focus won't be on buildings and things. Hence the reason I believe God said the streets are paved with gold. Do you know what you do with streets? You walk on them, right? You walk on them. What do we do with gold here? We worship it. What are we going to do with gold up there? We walk on it. God says, that's not the focus. The focus is me, and God's always been the focus. And so God has given us, right? Now one day, now one day we'll, we'll realize that victory, but right now we have victory in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Through him that loves us, right? So we have this victory. So if we have this victory and having the knowledge that we have this victory, where do we go from here? What, what do we do with the knowledge that God has given us? And I believe it's simply put for us right here at the end of the chapter in verse number 58 of chapter number 15. He says, therefore... What does that word therefore mean? Knowing all these things, let me wrap it up for you. Remember in the book of Ecclesiastes? You remember how Ecclesiastes ends? How does it end? It says, listen, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Right? Here's what I want you to know. This is what Paul's telling the church at Corinth. He's saying, listen, therefore, knowing these things, knowing we have the victory, knowing that we're going to put on uh, uh, incorruption, knowing we're going to put on immortality, knowing that we're going to be changed, knowing that the rapture's coming, knowing all these things, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Knowing all these things, having the knowledge of all these things, let me tell you something, church, we need to stay faithful. Sometimes, 
I know it happens to all of us, whether we admit it or not. Sometimes we get distracted by the things of this world. We get distracted by um, uh, we get distracted by politics, and we get distracted by uh, heartache, and we get distracted by burdens, and we get distracted by even the good things of this world, and we get our minds stayed on the world instead of stayed on Jesus Christ. We've got to get our perspective. We've got to get our vision back to where it belongs. And Paul tells the church at Corinth here, let me tell you something, having knowledge of all these things, you need to be steadfast. You need to be steadfast. Do you remember reading as a kid, or reading to your child as a kid, the little engine that could? Remember that? You don't see these things anymore. My, my, my wife and I, we've, we've started, well, years ago, we started collecting a hope chest. What's a hope chest? A hope chest is in hopes that we have grandchildren. That's what a hope chest is. And so uh, we got this hope chest. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, I mean, we got clothes and we've got... But one of the things we collect, because you know me, uh, I'm a book guy, is these books that you can't find anymore. I mean, they cancel this one and they cancel this one and this one's this and this one's that and they get rid So when you find them, man, you keep a hold of them. Why? Because... Listen, they were read to you. You want to read them to your kids and you want to read them to your grandkids. That little engine that could just kept going and going and going. Listen, I'm not up here to tell you this morning that life's not hard because it can be. I'm not up here to tell you this morning that life's not unfair because it can be. Man, I, I mean, I, 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 I've got 10 examples off the top of my head, on the tip of my tongue. Of things that I think to myself, why? You know, sometimes we know why and sometimes we don't. Sometimes later down the road we find out and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we never know why. Sometimes, uh, I love Vance Habner said this, he said, uh, uh, sometimes for some things that God stamps across your life, we'll explain later. I love that statement. We'll explain later. You know why? Because God says you don't need to know right now. And you know what God is saying? I know better than you do. Why we have to be reminded of that, I don't know. But we have to be reminded from time to time that God knows what He's doing. You see, the Bible says that He is Alpha and He is Omega. What does that mean? That means He is the beginning and He is the end. You see, we only have... uh, Sight that looks back, we call that hindsight, right? Hindsight's always, you look back and you think, well, I probably could have changed this or I probably could have done that. I probably shouldn't have said that. You ever done that before? I probably couldn't, shouldn't have done that because we can look back and, and get perspective. We can look now, but man, outside of the scriptures, we can't look into the future. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But what does the saying say? We know who holds tomorrow. Why? Because he is Alpha and he is Omega. And so having, uh, uh, having the knowledge that God has, he knows what's best for your life. So what do we need to do? We need to trust him, right? Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We need to trust and obey, and then we need to stay faithful. When God says do something, 
why do we, why do we need to argue about it? Does that ever, does that ever drive you, you know, I'm sure your kids were perfect, but did it ever drive you nuts when your kids would argue about something you told them to do? I mean, in Jesus' name you wanted to strangle them. Listen, uh, what part of do this don't you understand? I don't need to explain to you why. Let me tell you why. Because I feed you, and I clothe you, and I put a roof over your head. You ever get, you ever get fired up? <laughs> no. Some of y'all are like, no, no, I never, yeah, no, yeah, you're lying. I mean, I tell you, sometimes we get aggravated because we want them what? What do we want them to do? We want them to obey. You know what God wants from us? Obedience. And you know what part of that obedience is? That part of that obedience is staying faithful, sticking by the stuff. And God wants each of us to stay faithful in our lives. Look with me in 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Look with me in verse 13. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. So let me tell you something. Let me, let me summarize, let me summarize uh, verse, uh, verse 13 for you. Get a backbone. There you go. Get a backbone. Stand up for the things that are right. Stand against the things that are wrong. Quit ye like men. I mean, just, just get... I'm not talking about being mean-spirited. Anybody can be mean-spirited. Listen to me. Anybody can be a jerk. That, that doesn't make you a man of God. Listen, but, but being a man about some things, don't be ashamed. So let, let me tell you what Paul said. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, listen, I'm not going to be... I mean, there's some things I've done in my life that I'm ashamed of. Getting saved isn't one of those things. Being a pastor isn't one of those things. Trying my, my best to raise my children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord isn't one of those things that I'm ashamed of. Going to church... Isn't something I'm ashamed of. Reading my Bible. Listen, you can call me every name that possible. But let me tell you something, church. It's time to grow up. So they, so they, so they call you names. So what? Don't, don't allow people to drive you away from the Word of God, to drive you away from church, to drive you away from prayer, to drive you away from spiritual things. Quit ye like men and be strong and stay faithful in the things that God has called us to. If God has said it, then, then we just need to do it. If God has called us to do it, then do it. If God has called you to give, then give. If God has called you to go to church, then go to church. I don't understand. I get, I get it, I'm a pastor, but I promise you, before I was a pastor, I went to church. Why? Because God said to not forsake the assembling ourselves together as the matter some is. Matter of fact, He said, as the day is approaching, we should be meeting more and more, not less and less. I mean, we have got to get serious about spiritual things. I believe, I believe we're living in the last days. Now, I know preachers have been saying that for generations. I get it. I understand. But I'm going to tell you something. 
we are closer than we've ever been before. I mean, we all have to agree with that, right? I mean, we're closer than we were last year, for sure. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know when Jesus is coming again, but I know He's coming. And I'm telling you, if you're not ready, you're in trouble. If you're not ready, you're in trouble. And we have got, we're, we're going through Wednesday night, the coming events of prophecy. The things that are, the things that are coming up next. The things that we're going to see that are going to happen in heaven. We're going to talk about the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to talk about uh, the great white throne judgment. We're talking about the millennial reign. We're talking about Armageddon. We're going to talk about all these things that, that are going to happen. And I'm telling you, they're around the corner. And God's church needs to start acting like God's church. This idea of bickering, this idea of arguing over absolute nonsense while people are dying and going to hell? Do you realize that by the third night that they were in the water as they were covered in oil and their faces were burned and their eyeballs were damaged and and their skin was done? I mean, can, can, can you imagine one sailor looking at another sailor and saying, man, your mustache is growing out a little bit too much. Do you really need to you really need to shave? I mean your your clothes are a little bit tattered. I can't believe that you jumped in the water looking like you do. You know what? I bet you there wasn't any of those comments. I bet you they didn't care what they looked like. What were they looking for? They were looking for hope. They were looking for a Savior. They were looking for someone to come and rescue them. I'm here to tell you something, church. Our focus is in the wrong place. We need to start focusing on the things of the Lord. We need to start focusing on spiritual things and holy things. We need to stay faithful. Because it's all about Jesus Christ. You see... Somehow, we've made it about ourselves. Somehow, we've made it about our church. Somehow, we've made it about politics or the government or fill in the blank. We've made it about things that are temporal. I want you to know something. The current administration that we have in the White House is temporal. I'm not saying they can't do damage. I'm not saying it's not important that we don't, that we don't vote. And I, I, I understand all that. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to do my part because I think you should vote. If you're a Christian, I think you should vote. And I think if you don't vote, you should keep your mouth shut. But if you vote and you go out and vote and you vote and you, you do your part, I mean, good night. I, I, you've done what you can do. So what do you do? You move forward. You you move on. Now, I'm not saying you don't keep up with current events and all that kind of stuff if you want to remain depressed the rest of your life, but I mean, you can, you, but we can move on. Listen to me. When, when, when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris got into the White House, God didn't say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? You might have said that. But God didn't say that. God didn't go, that's it, I'm off the throne. I just don't don't know what I'm going to do next. 
I want you to know God has a plan. And God works that plan. And God doesn't need your permission. And matter of fact, I'm going to take it a step further. God doesn't even need your input. Because God can do what God wants to do whether you like it or not. And sometimes I don't like it. Can we be honest? Sometimes I'm like, all right, God, wait a minute. Why in the world? And I imagine God up in heaven saying, listen, just trust me and mind your own business. Right? Because this is God's business. The things that are going on. I I know about sin and I know that God's given us free will. I get all that. But I'm here to tell you, God's working all things together. And he knows what's going to happen next year, next month, and he knows what's going to happen 10 years from now. He knows all those things, and I don't. So what do I do? Trust him. What do I do? Stay faithful. Stay faithful. I think about this when it comes to, he says, he says uh, in verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ. Let me give you a couple things to think about. This morning when it, comes, when it comes to Christ, we need to stay faithful because of Jesus Christ. Because of who He is. In Christ, let me give you a couple things. Number one, in Christ there is propitiation. There is propitiation. What does that mean? It means that God has taken what belongs to you and has put on Himself. And He's replaced that, what, what belongs to Him, onto your account. You see, sin belongs to you. We're sinners. We're lost. We're undone. We've missed the mark. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not a single person in here. There's not a single person alive outside the person of Jesus Christ that is perfect. We're all sinful. We're sinful people. That belongs to us. That is us. This idea... That certain people crucified Jesus. Let me tell you something. You crucified Jesus. Just because you weren't there doesn't mean you didn't do it. Why? Because Jesus Christ willingly died for the sins of the world. You are part of the world and you are a sinner. Therefore, Jesus took your sin. Something that belonged to you, He took upon Himself. Knowing and understanding that no man can stand before the Father in their sin. So Jesus Christ became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be named the righteousness of God. You see, He took our sin and gave us His righteousness. He put it to my account. He put it to your account. Why? Because He loves us. Because He was willing. And because He was able. Do you realize there's a... a, there's a big difference between willing and able. I may be willing. I may be willing. You come to me and say, listen, we're, we're really struggling and we really need some money. I, I may be willing, and I might have an extra check in my check, checkbook to write you a million dollars. I wouldn't cash it if I were you. I wouldn't bring it to the bank. I might be willing, which... That's a stretch in itself. But anyway, are you willing to do it? But able? However, I have 
Donald Trump wrote you a check for a million dollars. Is that different? Sure it is. Because he's not only willing, but he's able. Jesus Christ was not only willing, but he was able. He was able to fulfill the law. He was able to do everything that needed to be done to take our place and to die for us upon the cross. Let me give you a couple verses. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2. 1 John 2 and 2, and then the Bible says, And He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If you mark in your Bible, underline that word propitiation, and right above it, P-I-F. Don't you like to write that on a bill? Paid in full. Don't you like that? I mean, you pay off a credit card, P-I-F, paid in full. You pay off your house, paid in full. You pay off your car, paid in full. Let me tell you something. You know what that means? If I've paid off my car and I paid it in full, listen to me, they can send me all the bills they want to. I'm going to mail them back with nothing in them. Why? Because I owe nothing. It's already paid off. You see, if Jesus paid your bill off, that means you owe nothing. That means your works have nothing to do with your salvation. Your baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. Your church membership has nothing to do with your salvation. Why? Because it's already paid in full. Jesus already paid it all. That's why the song says, He paid it all, all to Him we owe. He is our propitiation. Write this verse down. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. In Christ there is propitiation. Number 2. In Christ there is provision. In Christ there is provision. Philippians 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus knows what you need? I believe that. And if I believe that Jesus knows what I need, how foolish is it to worry about my needs? Do we we believe in God? Do we believe God can take care of us? Do we believe God can provide for us? Do we believe that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think? Do we believe these things? If we do believe these things, then what in the world are we worrying about? Why are we wringing our hands? Why are we causing ulcers? Let me tell you something. Mind's a tricky thing, isn't it? And I'm here to tell you, if you think you're sick, you can convince yourself to being sick. Do you know that's true? It's absolutely true. And I'm telling you something. When we worry and worry and worry, and I'm not talking, I know there's some people that are sick and they're sick physically. I'm not talking about that. I'm just telling you, sometimes we can worry ourselves into a sickness. We can worry ourselves into an ulcer. We can worry ourselves into a stroke. We can worry ourselves into a heart attack. Stop worrying. God's got it. Psalm 23, isn't that what it's all about? Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? I shall not what? Isn't it amazing to you? Because it's amazing to me that God not only provides for my needs, but He provides for my wants too. 
I mean, I can think about maybe a couple times that I wanted something, but man, it was out of selfishness. I've wanted a Lamborghini from time to time. And God ain't gave me one. I don't, I don't understand that part. But, but you know what I'm saying? It, even our wants, God provides. I mean, because why? Because He does so much above. And He knows what we need, and He knows what we want, and He takes care of His own. In Christ, there is provision. I love this. I read this years ago. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. I think, I, I don't know, I, 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 I'm, kind of, I'm kind of weird like that when it comes to animals. I, I like to think what they're trying to think. Do you have an animal at home, a dog or a cat? Or a guinea pig or a ferret or whatever kind of animal you might have, a lizard? Did you have at home? You ever, we have a cat. I swore I'd never have one. We've had this cat for, since we've lived here, 13 years. His name is Lester. Don't ask. And so, Lester will come in and he'll come in, come into the middle of the living room. We'll be sitting in the living room. He'll come into the little, middle of the living room. He'll sit down. If he had pockets, I think he'd put his hands in his pocket. And he starts looking at us. Can I help you? You ever talk to your animals? Can I help you? I'm thinking one of these days he's going to say something to us. And I like to think what they're thinking. You ever think, he, he, I mean, so he loves to wait around the corner. Because we have like a hallway and you turn and the rooms, the kids' rooms are on this side. He likes to sit around the hallway and wait for Kyle. He only does it to Kyle. Which I didn't train him. But if I did, this is what I would do. And he sits around the corner. And as Kyle comes around, he goes, and you that know Kyle, he's so animated. He'll fly across the whole room. Ah, I want to kill that cat. Ah! And we'll just laugh and laugh and laugh. You ever think about what animals think? And you look, at these, you look at how these eagles or these hawks or these owls or these birds that are flying through the air with like no care in the world. No care in the world. I think about these stupid crows that tore up our, our rug out here, our, 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 our carpet out here. And I'll tell you something. You know how many times I've chased those things off? Do you know how many times I tried to chase those things off? <laughs> Forgot I was being recorded. And you know what they do? They, they fly off a little bit. They turn around and go, <laughs> Oh, man. Right in the kisser. You know, they don't have any care. Why? Because they, as the robin said to the sparrow, man, they, we have a heavenly father that takes care of us. As they, as they tweet, I think about them singing, as I think about that verse where the Bible says, if we don't praise his name, the rocks and the hills will cry out. All of creation, I think about this, all of creation faithfully worships and sings and prays, except for human beings. 
We fail often at doing that because sometimes we forget the provision that God gives us. Let me give you the last one. In Christ, there's propitiation. There's provision. In Christ, there's protection. There's protection. The Bible says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. The Bible says, If God be for you, who can be against you? The Bible says that we are... Have you, have you read the book of Revelation? We are on the winning side. We win ultimately, church. And sometimes I forget, and sometimes we forget that, uh, that God protects us over and over and over. The psalmist. You ever read the Psalms? You want to encourage me to read the Psalms? Let me tell you what the, some of the words that the psalmist use when it comes to protection. Shield. Fortress. Hiding place. Secret place. Under the shadow of his wings, in the shelter. Well, God is our refuge. He is our protection. When you go out in the rain, you have this thing that you push a button and it comes open, right? It's called an umbrella. And it protects you from the rain so you don't get wet. I say this sometimes. Some people don't have enough sense to come out of the rain. Have you ever, ever made that statement? Hey, what do we do? We find a shelter. We go underneath. When a storm comes, we find a shelter. You know, there are some places in this country that have storm shelters because they have tornadoes all the time that come through and hurricanes that come through and all these different natural disasters that come through. And boy, they've got to have a place of protection. Let me tell you where our place of protection is. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that protects us. He's the one that watches over us. He's the one that oversees us. And never, ever forget. We can stay faithful because of His propitiation. We can stay faithful because of His provision. We can stay faithful because of His protection. Let me tell you something. God's got your back. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. What a blessing. Poor church, we need to get back focused. Focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Focused on the things that matter. Focused on the things that are going to last for eternity. Sometimes we lose sight of it. But understanding God's propitiation, understanding God's provision, understanding God's protection will bring us back to the place where we can be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Well, let's get busy, church, on things that matter. I know we're busy with work, and I know we're busy with hobbies, and I know we're busy with things in this world, but I'll tell you something. We need to get busy about things that are going to count, things that are going to last, things that are going to encourage you. What a... What a blessing it is to do something for somebody else. Sometimes, if you're not careful, that can kind of be selfish. Doesn't that that sound weird? You're doing something for somebody else, but sometimes you're doing that something for somebody else because, man, it just makes you feel good. And what a blessing it is to be able to be a blessing to other people, but you're never going to do it if you don't stay faithful. 
You're never going to be busy about what God calls you to be busy about if you don't stay faithful. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Good news, He took your place. He took your place. All you got to do is by faith, trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've not done that, you can do that this morning. You can get that settled. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't cross your fingers and cross your toes and carry a lucky rabbit's foot. Know for sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, 1 John 5.13 says that we can know, that we know, that we know that we have eternal life. You say, preacher, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I had to die right now, I'd go to, be, go to heaven to be with God. I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning and right back down and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I wouldn't come to where you are. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation. Preacher, please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? What a blessing it is to be saved. To know our sins are forgiven. To know that a home in heaven is awaiting us. But we're not there yet, church. We're not there yet. One day this corruption will put on incorruption. One day this mortal will put on immortality. But we're not there yet. But we still have victory. So let's live our lives like the victorious Christians that God has made us. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed.